you know, celebrate the day that I die, but they are going to celebrate where I'm going. Why? Because I declared where I was going years and years and years ago. So your declaration, your word, what you say is more important sometimes than what you do. And what you say determines what you'll do. If you declare what you're going to do, it empowers you to do it. And it lets everybody know, hey, this is what they said. Those those little colonists, those little American colonists that carry little muskets, there's no way that they're going to defeat the greatest army in the world, the most powerful armada, naval supremacy that they have. There's no way. But you know what? They declared it. And they signed it. And that's the day we celebrate. They followed up on it. We don't celebrate the day of the victory. We celebrate the day of the declaration. We need to celebrate the day we declare Jesus as Lord and Savior over our life. We need to declare that. That's That's what baptism actually is. It's showing the world that this is who I'm declaring I want to be like. Are, we, are, are you following me? Okay, I'll get off of it then. I'll get off on it. I just, when she was saying this, I just, man, it, something just popped in me, you know? I mean, but anyway, uh, most of y'all know Dr. Dr. Carmen, my pastor, uh, passed away. Um, but anyway, we're, we're, we built a hospital in Papua New Guinea a few years back, but they need a dormitory for the nurses. For the nur- nurses. The nurses. And so, you'll find one of these, a couple of these out on the stand. If y'all want to donate to the, the, the hospital being built, just take a pic, put your phone on that right there, and it'll take you immediately to a website that, that, where you can do it. Not necessarily, not necessarily, I'm going to make sure it gets done, me and Carlos Ortiz and Joe Martin and all of Rob's, uh, Jurgen Matias is all of Rob's close friends. We're all pitching together to get this thing done. So anyway, uh, but if you want to be a part, that's the way to do it. Amen? All right. <clears throat> Who likes to lose? Who likes to win? We're on the right team. You're on the winning team. I had a, a, a message ready to, almost ready to go. And I went to, to uh, Disciple Walk Wednesday night and Angel started teaching. It kind of brought something back up and I felt like God wanted me to share that. And some of this stuff, some of you on Wednesday night have heard of pieces of it. But um, I want to get into it. You know, I like to win. I mean, I'm, I'm not as bad now. Well, maybe. I'm not as bad now as I was when I was competing athletically, you know. But, I mean, I'd rather take a beating than lose. I'm serious. I, I was, I'm still pretty bad. But back then, man, I would get mad at my own teammates. You know, you need a hit in the bottom of the last inning. You got somebody in running position. 
And what happens? The weakest hitter on the team is due to the plate. Every single time when you go, you know, it's, it's, you know, and so you just start cheering him on. Ah, you got this, you got this, man, barrel the ball, hit, you know, strike out. You, you want to beat your teammate? If you really like to win, that's what's going through your mind. Now, you know, but now we don't have that mentality, you know, we're teaching kids, we're just going to give you a trophy if you just show up. Participation trophies are the destruction of the American way of life. Why would you give somebody a trophy for just showing up? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Y'all know the story of Jordan, man. She played all week long. They came in second. They gave her the second place trophy. We were walking out and she dropped it in the garbage can. Just kept walking. Never said a word. I picked it up, put it in the trunk of her car, and about a year later, I look in her trunk and it's still there. I said, well, she must not have seen it. I asked her about it. She said, yeah, I saw it. I'm not touching it. She hates to lose. Joel hates to lose. Izzy's going to hate to lose. Why? Because it counts. Winning counts. Who won the American Revolution? If they wouldn't have won, we'd be having an English accent. Winning is important. Winning is important to God. He's on the winning team. The devil's on the losing team. Christians on the winning team. Sinners, well, we're all sinners, but you know, non-believers are on the losing team. I hate to lose. I love to win. It's when I get, when I'm in a competition. Or used to not so much anymore because I only play golf now. You know, I can't play anything else. <laughs> but uh, you know, if there's something at stake, if it's just a couple of guys out there playing, you know, I really don't like doing it, but I go at Time and time and again, you know, because you just hang out. But if I'm playing in a tournament, a real, I'm telling you, if I lose, I can't sleep when I get home. I'm I'm not joking. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. But God counts. God keeps score. How do you know that? Go to Romans 14. My scripture, 14, 12, I believe it is. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Are you winning or are you losing? Well, what are you going to give an account of? You! And what you did, more so of what you did than what you do. Because you're already, when, when this day comes, I'm not going to go into all that, you need to get Angel to, to teach it. Uh, when you give this account, you can no longer correct what you've done wrong. It's done. Your total's not going to go up or go down 
Because the game's over at this point. And you're going to have to stand before God and make an account of yourself to Him. That's, that's, that's pretty. So what's going on is you're going to keep a tally on yourself and God's going to keep a tally. He goes, alright, you make an account of yourself to me. What did you do? I know what you did. I just want to see. I want to see if you're going to be honest with me. Remember Sapphira and Ananias? They didn't make a good account and dropped dead. Of course, I'll already be dead at this point. <laughs> anyway, here we Y'all remember the lady with the two mites? You know, less than a penny. You know, I'm nothing. And Jesus is standing there, and, and he even made... I'm not going to go there and preach that, but... But I'm just going to use her as an example. God, Jesus was watching what people gave. He wasn't counting the money. But he was watching what people gave. And people were coming up and they were giving these offerings and stuff. And this lady came up and she only had, she had less than a penny, but she made an offering of it. And she prayed over that offering. Jesus said, that woman right there, she gave more than all of them put together. Why? Because he doesn't count the amount. He counts certain things. He counts your obedience. He counts your sacrifice. And he counts your works. Those are three things that God counts. He doesn't count the amount. But he counts the sacrifice. That's what he said about that woman that had less than a penny, the two mites. She didn't have a whole lot. That was the greatest sacrifice that was given on that day with Jesus watching. He said, that's the one I accept. That's the one I receive. The sacrifice. The obedience to give and the sacrifice to it making you feel a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know about that. That's That's a lot. A lot is relative to who you are and where you are in life. You know, $10,000 $10,000 could be a fortune to, you know, Carly. It's not to most adults. They understand that, you know, money comes in, goes out. It's, you just got to bring it in faster than it goes out so you can have more. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Y'all, y'all not getting that one. Come on. How do you know that God counts? Because God said give 10%. If he don't count, why would he say that? Why didn't he say 20? Why didn't he say 90% and you live on 10? He made it pretty easy and we always gripe and complain. Well, not all of us, but some people gripe and complain. You give 10% of what you give. What if God would have said 90 and you live on 10? Well, how many? I know that there's not a lot of tithers in the body of Christ. You know what? I mean, because I see the statistics. I see the statistics. I don't see what you give, but I see the statistics nationwide of what's going on. Did you know that less than 14% of pastors in America tithe on what they get? 14%. Less than 8% of churches tithe. It's nuts, isn't it? I'm not preaching on money and tithes. 
I'm preaching on number. I'm preaching on count. Be count on it. You got to be able to account for every, every, even every idle word you're going to make an account for. There's going to be a lot of accountability when you get to heaven, so you better have somebody here on this earth that you're accountable to that can help you. And you need to be an accountability partner to somebody else that needs. You've got to be pulling somebody, and, and somebody's got to be pulling you. If you don't, it's going to be hard for you. You can't. It's hard to do the Christian life by yourself. That's why most of the people that lived in the Old Testament are all going to hell. You know why? They didn't have the Spirit of God guiding them. Not all of them did. It was usually one person at a time, a prophet. We're going to have to make an account. Anyway, let me move forward, and, and uh, I want to get this. I want to get. Oh, hmm. Said so he counts your obedience, he counts your sacrifice, and then he counts your work. Ephesians two ten. What's it say? It says what you're created for. Created, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good work. If he didn't, if he's not going to count the good works, why would he tell you that's what you're created for? What good works are they? One of the good works is a responsibility that I have to God for Izzy, for Jordan, for Joel, for my wife, just like she makes an account for me. But we're created. For works outside of our own family. You see, Christianity has become this thing that I can't understand. It's um, it's let me get my relationship right with God. That's what it is. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to believe God for something for me. We're in the me, me, me generation. And, you know, you little kid... Uh, after they learn how to walk and start talking, what's the most used word in their vocabulary? Mine, mine. mine me, mine, me, mine, mine, mine. That's the body of Christ as we see it today. It's all in. It's not all. It's a lot of inward. We've got different. Of course, it's not, not everybody's that way. There's a lot of good good Christians out there doing great works, and you know, uh, but. The church as a whole? They're not being counted. They're not even being accountable. I've got people that I'm accountable to outside of this church that, I mean, that pull me to a different, to a different place. Anyway, here we go. This is funny. There's a great game to be played, and God is the scorekeeper. We don't need to keep score. We just need to do what we're supposed to do, sacrifice what we're supposed to sacrifice, be obedient to what we're obedient to, and that become our way of life. Whether it's counted or whether it's not, is unimp- should be unimportant to us. 
Because we're not doing it for the reward. God's rewarding it for the due. People are going to get to heaven and we're going to be shocked at the folks we see. Or don't see. I, I look at doers. People that are actually doing things. Doing something. Doing something for the kingdom of God. I never once doubt that they have a close relationship with Jesus. But if I see people talking about Jesus and doing nothing, I really don't want to be around them a whole lot. To just be honest. I'm, because why? Because I'm a doer. I want to be associated with doers. I don't want to be associated with hearers. I want to be associated with doers. Why? Because it's being counted. God's watching me, and He's, and he's my biggest cheerleader saying, get something done. Go to South Africa, <laughs> you know, Go preach in Zimbabwe, wherever, you know. Go go do crusades. Go do the... He's my biggest fan. Oh, you're doing a great job. I may not be, but he's telling me, man, just you're doing a great job, Paul. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great He's the best encourager in my life. Do y'all have that relationship? Does anybody else have that relationship? That God's encouraging you. Sure. If you're close with him, you do. Because if you're close with him, you're, you're, you're encouraging him too. Oh, bless you, God. I mean, okay. 2 Timothy 4. I may get out of this thing. Time to eat. This is Paul. Before he, before he, this is the, I fought the good fight. <gasps> Fought it. He enjoyed the fight. He enjoyed life. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Eight. Finally, there is laid up. In other words, finally, I can acknowledge what's coming next. I've never thought about it. I've never dwelt on it. But now, the time's here. Finally. Like he was waiting on it. Finally. There's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So when is that day? That day is a long ways down the line. But it's coming. It's coming. You see, a lot of people don't understand how rewards work in heaven. The same thing, the same thing that punishment is in hell. Apostle Paul's in heaven right now and he's not got any rewards. Why? Because that day hadn't happened. He said, there's later for me a crown of rights which the Lord will give me on that day. That day, the tallying is totaled for everybody that's ever walked the face of the earth. 
Right? So he hasn't got his reward yet. Why? Because a man wrote 14 books of the New Testament. Everybody that gets saved or anything that's related to those 14 books of the Bible go to the account of the Apostle Paul. Anybody, I mean, anybody that Titus, Timothy, all of those which he raised up and gave churches to, the church at Ephesus where Timothy was, uh, theologians say when he took it, he was nine, eight, between 18 and 19 years old. He had a church of over half a million people. 19 years old. All of those half a million people, Timothy, everybody that generation after generation after generation that remained Christian go to the Apostle Paul's account. It will never stop until that day. That day. Remember though, but that day is coming. That day, he's going to separate, the, as they say, the sheep from the goats, it says in the Word. In other words, the believers, non-believers, no. I'm going to say the doers and the non-doers. Because if you're not doing what you're created to do, you're not doing what your Creator told you to do, you have no respect for your Creator. You don't, you don't have much love for your Creator. If you see most people in the world, not not Christians, but most people worship a creation instead of the Creator. That's why they never have long-lasting relationships because the Creator is not in into in the middle of it. It'll never work. It will never work. Y'all with me? Good. Told you all how it works with the Apostle Paul. Let's look at how it works going the other direction. Good. Not good. Let's just take Hitler. Everybody knows who Hitler is, right? You guys know who Hitler is? Youth? Okay, I'm just making sure. I mean, I don't know if they teach you this stuff in school or not. I hadn't been in high school ever. (laughs) Anyway... Hitler has not received his worst punishment. He's in hell, but he's not received his punishment until that day. See, even he, Hitler is going to make an account. And you know what? It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse every day. Killed two million Jews. Caused World War II. Over 60 million deaths worldwide because of what this man started. The skinheads we've got today, Aryan Nation, all of that go to the devil's account. You know what? God counts. God counts. So Hitler is going to be in serious, serious agony for eternity. Why? Because everything keeps adding up. He can't even see all the things that he's going to his account. He doesn't even know what's in his account. When the Apostle Paul uh, was executed, he doesn't know to this day 
what's in his account. But God does, and he's going to count it. And on that day, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to reward him. I can't imagine what's going, to, what's going to be to his account. I can't imagine what's going to happen to Rob's account. You know, my goodness. Or T.L. Osborne or Reinhard Bonnke or, you know, those guys, that, those, those generals, you know. What are they going to get? Oh. There's a man named Mr. Clyde Thomas. Mr. Clyde led my dad to the Lord. And a lot of other people too. He was a soul winner. I, Izzy, is to Clyde Thomas's account. They're to my father's account, to my account. But he gets accounted for it as well. You see, it never stops. The counting never stops. You may die and not be on this earth anymore, but the counting never stops. What you do today can, can, can affect generations to come. I got saved, I'm a man, and when a man gives, the father gets saved, man, people, stuff happens. Joel saved, boom. Uh, Hutton, boom. Jordan, boom. Izzy, boom. You know, it's just, it's going to be a generational. Their kids are going to love God. You know why? Because I prayed for their kids before they ever got married. We prayed for everything. You know, we, we want good, solid mates for our children and so far we're pretty doing pretty darn good you know how to you know how to you know how to um be sure to make your daughter marry the wrong man it works every time just tell her you just love him he's wonderful if you tell her you don't like him that's the one they're picking if they're hard-headed like Jordan yes, We had to lie and tell her we didn't like Hutton for a long time. Just to get him. <laughs> and we're glad we got him. So what you do, what you do is going to affect generations, right? I'm going to give you an example here. I'm, 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 oh, I didn't have enough time today. Y'all played too long. I'm joking. I enjoyed it. <laughs> um. If it counts, and there's people that you're accountable for, that you've got children, you're accountable for them as well. I'm going to give you an example here. You must have your children in church. You must raise your children in the way of the Lord. If not, you're going to lose a generation. And if you miss a generation, there's generation after generation behind them that have nothing in them. Let me give you an example, and I'm going to get out of this thing real quick. Two men. I've done, I did this, gosh, it's been years. I did it at the old church. I gave this example. There was a Puritan preacher that lived in the 1700s. His name's Jonathan Edwards. He and his wife, Sarah, had 11 children. They stayed in church. They loved God. They worshiped God. 
They said, our children are going to be in church. We're accountable to, the, to God for our children. We're accountable for ourselves as well. But when those children are under your umbrella, so, so to speak, you're covering, you're accountable for them as well. There was another guy, same area. His name was Max Jukes. He was a woodsman. He hunted and he fished. He was a heavy drinker. Didn't go to church. And he had 13 children and some of them, some of them weren't with his wife. So this guy, there was a guy that was going to study him. In the 1700s, A.E. Winship. He did a study on the men's life and their legacy. So let me tell you what Jonathan Edwards, the guy that made a, made a stand, said, I'm accountable for my children. I'm accountable for the generations to come. I'm going to be in church. My children are going to be in church until they're, until they're adults. And then this, is, this is what came out of his legacy. Listen to this. This is so cool. One United States Vice President. Three U.S. Senators. Three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public officials, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries. It's important to keep the kids in church. All the way up. When they get up 15, 16, well, I don't want to go to church. I want to go with my friend. No, you're going with me. You're going to see how I do it. This is a, I'm not going, you're not going over there. You're going with me. I'm just, anyway, so Max Jukes didn't go to church, hard drinker, 13 kids. This is some of the results of his legacy. Seven murderers. 60 thieves, 50 prostitutes, 130 other convicts, 310 paupers, 400 physically wrecked by indulgent living. Max Jukes' descendants cost the United States government $1,250,000. You tell me that accountability isn't important? You tell, you tell me that raising your children and the way they should go doesn't count? I'm telling you, you're dead wrong. If you don't, don't ever forget the name of Max Jukes if you're having an issue. Fathers, you set down the law. In agreement with your wife, but you lay down the law. But this is the way things are going to happen. Y'all both got to be on the same page with it. It's not going to work. You know, I know there's a lot of single parents, and that, that, that's part of our lifestyle today. But single parents, you've got to be even stronger in this thing. Your actions determine the future of generations. What we do, how we act, how we run our race, how we fight our fight, 
Davis County. Or how we play our game. I don't have a goal to have the biggest mansion in heaven. I don't have the goal of, you know, being the richest man in heaven. Because that's not what it's about. It's just the way God explains it so we can understand it in our mind. You know, wrap our head around it. No. But I want to get the maximum potential that God placed in me before the foundations of the earth. Does anybody understand that? I want to, the potential that God placed in me, I've got to make the most of, that's going to be a thing that's counted as well. I, ha- I gave you the potential to do this. What did you do? I gave you the, the ability to do this. Did you do it? You see, that's what's so important. Accountability and knowing what God's plan for your life is, they work hand in hand. You can't, you're, you can't please God if you're not doing what He created you for. What did He create you for? For one, good works. But He created you for so much more than that. He created you to reach a generation. To change generations. And the generations behind us will follow suit. That's what He gave us. That's, that, that's, that's part of the assignment that He gave us. Amen? Whew! <laughs> God gives the awards and rewards. He's counting on them. Now, I don't want anybody to say, weeks down the road, well, Paul preached on money. I didn't preach on money. I preached on counting. How to be, a, to be accountable to somebody, to be accountable to God, and then at the end of that account, at the end of days, on that day, Your account, God's going to have it lined up. He's going to say, well, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this. You know, there's not going to be a whole lot of people that God says, you know, well done. Because there's not a pe- lot of people, you know, as fo- as big as the world is. I mean, 7 billion people. We got, what, 2.5 billion and never heard the name of Jesus? So we're not doing our job as a, as a, as a body of believers. I mean, but it's been that way since Jesus came. There's just people that aren't committed. There's people that aren't accountable. People don't think, well, you know, now I wouldn't do that, but I'm not going to stop somebody. So you only care about yourself. Are you following me? Uh uh. Y'all didn't follow that. I'm only accountable for me because I'm the one that's going to stand before God. I'm accountable for my kids. You're accountable for when they were under your care. Max Jukes. Max Jukes. Max Jukes. Anyway, let me wrap this up. My gosh, I've gone over. Y'all, I'm sure y'all are all shocked. Seven murderers, 60 thieves, 50 prostitutes, 100. Crazy. What? Because one man decided... I'm going 
to take my kids to church. U.S. presidents, senators, governors, college professors, presidents of universities, missionaries, lawyers. I know I shouldn't say those back to back, but lawyers, pastors, missionaries. That didn't sound any better, did it? But anyhow, I'm going to get out of this thing. I'm, I'm, I just want you to know that God's watching the things that you do. The work that you do is not going unnoticed by God. Now, you may do some things that I don't see, but God does. You know why? Because I'm not the one you're accountable to. You're accountable to God. I'm just here to try to help you do the, the best you can possibly do, succeed in life, to live the abundant life. It's to help you get to that point. It's not to judge you or to make an account. Amen? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I am... How many of you want or want an accountability partner? How many of you want somebody that's going to pull you to another level? You need to find them. You need to find them. Somebody that that will check on you. Somebody that 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 genuinely takes this assignment to heart. They're going to check on you. They're going to encourage you to to do the things that you need to do to get where you need to be. And also, you need somebody else that you're helping. You've always got to have one hand out and one hand back as far as relationships and accountability go. There's certain people you need to let go of. There's certain people you need to help. Sometimes we get those confused. But let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I just, all those that raise their hands, Father, I just, right now, in Jesus' name, I declare that they're going to find that accountability partner, that they're going to do what needs to be done, that they're going to give an account of themselves on that day. And, Father, that on that day, they won't be disappointed. Father, I thank you for the potential that you've placed in each and every one of us, Father, the greatness that you place in each and every one of us, Father, that as we work, Father, the greatness that you put in us, you pull out of us. We don't pull any of it out. Father, I thank you so much for all that you're doing right now, Father. So much, Father. I'm thankful for those, for, for the declaration, Father, of independence. I thank you for this country. I think it's the greatest nation on earth still, Father, and I just thank you for blessing it, Father. And I thank y'all for being here this morning. Amen, amen.